The opinions expressed on this program are solely those of its hosts, guests, or callers, and do not necessarily represent the opinions of WTBR-FM, its management, other producers, or sponsors. Hi, everyone. You're listening to Backstory. Let's hear it on WTBRFM Pittsfield with Roberta McCulloch-Dews of the Mayor's Office in the city of Pittsfield. Thanks for tuning in. So today we have with us Andy Camby, the city of Pittsfield's public health director. And we're going to learn more about his professional journey which is really interesting, as well as his personal story, which is intriguing and inspiring. So welcome, Andy. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Excited All right. to get to know, get yes. to know each other. <laughs> you know, one of the things that I had just said to you is I said, you know, you're so quiet. Right. You know, see you around City Hall mm-hmm. um, and you're quiet. But you have such an interesting story. And I think it will resonate with many of our listeners today. So one of the first things that I want to talk about was, one, before we get into your background, your birthday, because you just recently celebrated a birthday. But you cel- you share your birthday um, with an occasion that many of us know on September 11th. How is that for you to um, have this date, knowing that it marks such a poignant time for so many? Right. I mean, as soon as I tell people my birthday, their immediate reaction has always been like, well, that sucks. And, Mm. you know, I understand completely, you know, September 11 is will forever be a day of mourning, Mm -hmm. a day of honoring the people that have lost their lives. So I completely understand that. And and I just say, yeah, you know, it it does suck. But, you know, I I continue to just celebrate my birthday. as. But uh, even for me, 9-11 will always be a day of sadness, Mm -hmm. but also a, a time of strength. Right. That we moved on from. Right. I mean, I can't believe so many years have passed. It's mm-hmm. it's it's incredible to think about. Um, but I think that's a I think that's a meaningful way that you're able to sort of reconcile the two. Right. Mm-hmm. A, a day of, of good celebration for you, but also for thought and reflection. Um, your story, getting into your your background. So your your family emigrated from Ecuador. Correct. Yeah. To the United States. And they settled in Queens. Which part of Queens? Uh, Corona and Astoria, Queens. Okay, all so right. they're all there still. Um, really? The, yep, they all stayed there. Um, oh. So, you know, and, and it's all a lot of family. Uh-huh. You know, a lot of uncles, a lot of aunts, and all of them. So, yeah, they're still there. So do you get down to, do you go to Queens often? I do. You do? I do, yep. I, I, a couple times a year, uh-huh. I'll head over, family parties, all okay. the family parties are out there, and we do it big out there, so. Nice. Yeah, I get, a, I get a, an opportunity to go out there once in a while. <clears throat> nice. So my mom lived in Queens. She lived in Cambria Heights, so that was on the E-line. Mm-hmm. What line do you know the train? Train for? 7. You're on the 7 line. Mm-hmm. Ah. Flushing Meadows. Yeah, Flushing Meadows, mm-hmm. all of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. so. Wow, interesting. Yeah, I, it's always when you see people going to Queens. Queens is huge, yes. folks. So mm-hmm. there's so many different parts of Queens. Um, wow, Corona, nice section. So in terms of your name, Andy, there's like a big secret because yeah. Andy really wasn't your real name. Well, well no, it's your real it, name now, but right. yep. what, what was your first so name? So the name that I was born with and I was given was Giovanni. And I had that name to around four and five, and that's when the name was legally changed. Um, I don't know the reasons uh, why it was changed, but uh, my mom just took it upon herself to uh, change that name to Andy. Um, And so I just remember 
I just briefly like walking around like these big buildings, and then I think I don't know if you remember we used to have like these medical record books mm-hmm. uh, from New York State, and, mm-hmm. and and it was like a brown book, and all of a sudden she would give me this this old book. It's like this is this is the old book now. Now your new name's Andy, and now you can just <laughs> scribble on this book, and that's like the vivid memory that I have. And I you know I wish I could remember more of like okay how do I identify now as Andy? Right. But yeah, it was it, I don't really know the reason for it, um, and and she just said you know i like the name andy better and so she changed that so do you recall calling yourself giovanni no but some of my family members still do they do yeah some of my family still call me that you know because for you know as i mentioned i grew up there so they for four years that's right knew me as giovanni and so they still see me as giovanni so you're responsible yeah but okay. mostly, yeah, it's Andy now. So, okay. and, and, and also, it's, it's just Andy. It, a lot, I get a lot of times, mm-hmm. it's not Andrew. I'm like, no, it's just Andy. So, so I got to ask you, uh-huh. if now that you're older, I mean, you have choice. Yeah. Do you see yourself as a Giovanni, or do you see yourself as an Andy? Andy. You do. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't. Can't remember back to when it was Giovanni, but mm. it's a cool name. I like it. It's a really yeah. cool name. <laughs> I'm like, I'm looking at you now, and I'm thinking. Okay. Yeah, could have right. been. <laughs> could have been. All right. So, you know, your your story, you have such, um, you, you know, the immigrant experience, you know, your family coming to the United States for a better life. What did your mom do when she was here and your dad? So my mom was a seamstress. Okay. Uh, so she came at the age of 14. Okay. And, you know, she thought she was going to start school, but mm-hmm. unfortunately she just came uh, by herself. So she had to start work like the next day, she right. tells us. So, you know, she's a seamstress as she was growing up. And then my dad was always in the restaurant business. So mm-hmm. he was a cook mm-hmm. um, throughout his uh, lifetime. So tell me mm-hmm. about... They so they were here. Your mom was here at fourteen. Mm-hmm. Was your dad also here as a teen? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they were able to almost like grow up here. Right. Yeah. Mm. But they, you know, they didn't get the education. They went right to work. Um, right. And then my mom had me around sixteen. Sixteen. So very young and, mm-hmm. and yeah. Hmm. Tell me about in terms of. I mean, they were pretty young. So what mm-hmm. was? Do you remember what life was like when you were little? It was hard. I mm-hmm. just remember uh, always running around with my mom. Uh, she was she had to just take me everywhere, mm-hmm. uh, you know, going to her job. Uh, she used to work at the factories. Uh, in, in those days, you know, they were packed, they were hot, and, yeah. and it was just very long days. And, and you went with her? Yeah, there were times that I had to go with her just because she couldn't find childcare. Right. Uh, so I, I, that's those are the memories I remember, just kind of going around the street. You know, walking to work, mm-hmm. uh, getting to work, and just sitting down and just watching her work and trying to keep myself entertained. Was this also um, in Queens or Manhattan? Queens. Oh, Queens. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you remember anything from that in terms of, like, did was there a memory that stayed with you from just seeing your mom work so hard? Uh, just remaining calm. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I like I said, I just had to be there sitting uh, next to her. Right. And, and had to... <clears throat> Be quiet. You know, right. I, I couldn't be running around, uh, right, screaming my head <laughs> off, and, and I just had to be sitting quietly. There was an just, understanding. Yeah, there was an understanding. Right. So I, that's what I remember, just kind of observing and and, and okay. understanding that we're we okay. gonna go to work. So at some point, you're you know you're with your mom and you're living this experience, but then 
there was a point where you had to go back to Ecuador and you lived with your grandmother for a time. Right. Okay, so tell me so, about that. Yeah, around five, she, you know, it was more difficult for her to mm-hmm. continue uh, finding childcare. So, you know, she sent me to Ecuador to live with my grandma for about two years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I, I just went with it. I, you know, I, at that point, I didn't really understand it. So right. I just went along with it. And it was, it was very challenging for her. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I do appreciate that, that opportunity that I got. To, to be there in Ecuador. So I have to imagine, I mean, you're five years old, so you're very close to your, I mean, at five, you're very close to your parents, right? Mm-hmm. So you know that your little suitcase is being packed. You know you're going on a trip. Did she say you're going to go live with grandma for a little bit and I'll come back to get you? Yeah, I mm-hmm. think she she must have said it. I remember just getting care packages mm-hmm. uh, every couple of months. And like to this day, you know, I remember Barney was big back yeah. then. So I remember getting like this Barney fanny pack and in there was just like candies. And and so she always kept in touch with me. And, and my grandma was great. You know, mm-hmm. she was great to me. So it was a great time for me to be. So when you were in Ecuador mm-hmm. and making that transition, I think, you know, at that point, you're still at five. You're, you're able to be cognizant of your surroundings. So obviously, you know that you are not in the surroundings where you were before. Mm-hmm. What was it like to be a part of the culture that your whole family has come from? Mm-hmm. What did you remember about that experience? So I had to transition to Spanish completely. Mm-hmm. And I think I learned both languages around the same time. I'm more comfortable with English, but at that opportunity, you know, Spanish was the only option that I had. So that's one thing I remember is just being having to speak Spanish and then also just being, you know, Ecuador Back then, it was a very poor country. It, mm-hmm. You know, it has progressed since then. But seeing kids that were my age on the street selling gum, mm-hmm. selling newspaper, uh, you know, I, I would see them and, and just kind of be wondering, like, you know, very different from what I'm seeing in New York. Right. You know, life here seems you can see the struggle. You mm-hmm. can see the people are just, you know, changing the clothes daily. They're wearing you know, the same clothes for two days or so. Right. So it gave me a little insight to that. And then also as far as the culture, uh, being able to, you know, five o'clock, it was time for a coffee, you know, time mm. to sit down. And, and, and so. Wait, wait, you had coffee? Yeah. I I had coffee. Back, yeah, I had coffee. <laughs> <laughs> so it it was, and that might be why you know coffee now doesn't do anything to me, and and I can have as many cups of coffee. And really, it does not have an effect on me. Oh my gosh! Yeah. So, but it, it was about that time. It was like all right, five o'clock, everything, and even during the midday, things would just close down. Yeah, compared to New York City, right? All day long, everything's open, right? And, and so it was a, a, a change of pace. Yeah. But also an eye opening to what's going on. Because like around noon and stuff, they'll be like, "What siesta, right?" Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, in Spain, yep, that's where they do siesta. So mm-hmm. and there they do it now. Now it, they're open all day long oh. too. But back then, it was you know they would close down midday and then uh. at five o'clock. I'm still like I'm that. still trying to wrap my head around the coffee. Yeah, at five o'clock. <laughs> so you sit down and have coffee with your grandmother. Yeah, we sit down and have coffee. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and how long were you in Ecuador for? For about two years. Two so years. I attended kindergarten there. Okay. And uh, then I came back up. Um, in terms of beyond your your education that you received in school. Mm-hmm. 
Tell me about the education that you received with your grandmother and with your family and the things that they, knowing that your time would be limited in Mm -hmm. Ecuador, I'm sure she wanted to make sure that you had things inside of you that you would take back with you to America. What were some of the things and the lessons that she imparted to you? So she was very religious. Mm -hmm. Um, So church was every Sunday Mm -hmm. um, and praying all the time. So that gave me uh, insight into devotion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was great. Uh, also, as far as hardworking, too. You know, my okay. grandma was still, she she would, we would be able to kind of go to, like, the markets on, on the weekends yep. and sell, like, fruit mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But during the week, she was able to kind of just give all the attention to me. So I also got that opportunity to kind of just be like and you were the only one the only grandchild I was the only grandchild then ah so yeah she she had another grandkid but she was still in New York my my cousin she was yeah so so you had all the attention I had all the attention and it was great okay Mm -hmm. so all right. so now here you are in Ecuador you know having all the attention from your grandmother Mm -hmm. and then your mom says okay I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna get you Mm -hmm. so you make the transition mm-hmm. back to Queens. What was that change like? I mean, Andy, in your in this short amount of time, you have experienced a lot of change. Now you're saying goodbye to Ecuador. You're coming back to Queens. What was that like for you? The change was difficult. I think, as we mentioned, that as far as why I stay so quiet, it was just me each time was just adapting. Hmm. So I would kind of just sit and watch and observe and mm-hmm. but remain quiet so i did first grade in queens uh public school which again was a very big transition mm-hmm. because you know now it's like a six-story building right with so many kids and i had uh, trouble speaking up in class and you know being sent home for mm-hmm. the you know so yeah wait why were you sent home uh, just because i wasn't speaking up like i wasn't even participating so i remember one time being sent home for that reason and i was like okay Normally, it's the other way around. Right. If you're talking too much. Right. So, yeah, I was very quiet. So, yeah. Wow. Um, oh, boy. That's actually really interesting. I've never heard that before. Right. Um, but I'm thinking about just your whole disposition and the fact that how that might have affected just like your personality mm-hmm. because you knew, like, I just have to roll with it. Right. So, what were you going to do? You know, exactly. you probably just take it all in and internalize it and just say, all right, this is what I need to do. Let me just continue to observe and watch. And I mean, yeah, I'm sure that factors into how you navigate through the world. Yeah. And, and process. I think a lot of it, you know, reflecting back on it, I think a lot was the, the change in the language. Hmm. You know, I it, while I was learning English and Spanish, then I went, okay, only Spanish. Right. And now we're going back to English. I mean, in, in Queens, thankfully, it was bilingual, but still, right. again, what am I comfortable with? So, How did... I'm 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 always curious mm-hmm. for people who are bilingual and how they think about, like, information. Did you read it in Spanish and then think about it in English? Like, how does that it, work for you? For me, it's English. Dominic's okay. English, so thought process is English. Okay. Um, you know, I can I can do the translation, but, you know, it's in English. I just, I love it. I <laughs> yeah. tell everyone, I'm like, I wish, I took, I took seven years of Spanish, uh-huh. but 
I I realized when I went to Puerto Rico that <laughs> those seven years of Spanish means yeah, yeah. because and in, 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 in yeah. every different country you know the dialect That's right. is different dialect the speed is, different. is different too so it's, speed is so different yeah. and and the way that the nuance mm-hmm. things that people just say to one another um, you know on an everyday basis it's not textbook Spanish mm-hmm. textbook Spanish is just like the surface I think you have to actually be around people. And and understand those those little things, right? Mm-hmm. That allow you to really interact on that deeper level. So, all right. So you're back in Queens. You're in school. You're back to English. You're being sent home <laughs> because you're being quiet. <laughs> and all this time, you're taking it all in. And then there's another transition in store, right? right? Yeah. And I think it has to do with a place called Great Barrington, right? So at that point, you know, my my parents were they would separate. Then when they get back together, and at this point, they're working on each other again and getting back together. So my dad was already in Great Barrington. Yeah. He was working at Castle Street Cafe, mm-hmm. uh, and so as they were, you know, saying, you know, let's try this again. Uh, my mom moved out there. Yeah. So we so again get on a bus. Go to this random place, very small town of Great Barrington, Whew. and yeah, we came in, both of us. Mm. Um. So you left Corona, uh-huh. Queens, and you went to Great Barrington. Yeah. That must have been a huge transition, yeah. because you know, in the city, you have it's multicultural. And you probably had a community in mm-hmm. Corona, Queens, right, that you were familiar with. In Great Barrington, what did you find? Nothing. It was it was, <laughs> like it was literally a ghost town uh, back then. And, oh. and there was no Spanish channels. There was no Spanish radios. There okay. was really no Spanish food. Set the scene. Available. What year was this? Uh, 95. All right. So... Again, no access to internet, pretty much as far as, you know, right, that's what right. we can do streaming now. Yeah, we I can mean, just stream the radio, stream the uh, anything we want, you're right. pretty much. But back then, it was very quiet, very, mm-hmm. very deserted, it felt like. Um, and, you know, we came to start living in apartments, mm-hmm. and, you know, we didn't have a car, so we were doing public transportation. Again, very limited. Very limited. But a big difference between... Being in New York City with all my family there, to it's just the three of us, and then my sister came along. But it was just the three of us in the beginning, so very quiet. How did? What did you feel during that time? I mean, I alone. I mm. I've, I definitely felt like you know I I had just put been put into a school um, where. I didn't really see myself f- familiar with my other peers, so mm-hmm. I, I felt definitely alone. And, and and they had all already gone through kindergarten and first grade in the cohort mm-hmm. uh, because you know back then it was just it's a very small school, so right. everyone really already knew each other. So I kind of felt like an outsider. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was yeah, it was that was a challenge. How long did it take for you to um, break in and feel comfortable? Uh, Probably high school. Really? It took me a long time. Yeah. Were you a learner during elementary and middle school? Yeah. Yeah. I, I you know, I, I had, I socialized normally, mm-hmm. you know, like I would go to like party, like mm-hmm. the birthday parties that they would throw at the bowling alley and right, whatnot, right. but I never really felt, yeah, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm part of this group. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and and again, my parents were very strict. You know, they were like, you can't do sleepovers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you can't sleep over. You can't go to your friend's yeah. house past this time. So it was like, all right, I, you know, I, I it's think, hard. I think there's a, um, so I always tell folks too. So my family is Jamaican and I was born in Jamaica. I, my family came to this country when I was two and I grew up in the Bronx. And there's something about... Um, immigrant families and sleepovers because it's like I don't know them (laughs) they're like who whose house no (laughs) exactly so it it had the challenges you know like how can I connect with people if I can only see them at school so (laughs) at a birthday party once in a while exactly yeah yeah. the sleepovers it was a no-no and it was only for people who they really knew Mm -hmm. and even then it was like well I need to speak with their mother or their father there was a whole phone thing Mm -hmm. I was like, it's not even worth it. No. So I I stopped asking after a couple (laughs) of times. (laughs) I totally understand. All right. So you have this experience where you go through life and you're in you're in the community, but you don't feel fully a part of it. Um, So what changed in high school? What what sparked the difference for you? In high school, I kind of was able to start being more interactive. I I don't know. I just got more of a humor to me. Mm -hmm. So I started making more jokes. I kind of started becoming a class clown, Mm -hmm. which allowed me to become more social mm. and and then we all i also had one of my best friends mm-hmm. he immigrated from venezuela and so he I, again i found someone that i could right. speak spanish to a little bit mm-hmm. but also had that same cultural background so he helped me break out of my shell okay and and, and uh be able to kind of just you know be well, i thought i was cool in high school so hopefully i was but <laughs> kind of just be able to just right. get through high school and Okay, okay. At what point did you notice a change um, in Great Barrington in terms of the Latino community expanding and growing? I think in the past 10 years, I think I've I've seen that dramatic change of of seeing them and and having Mm -hmm. um, even like the Festival Latino that just happened. That's right. That's I I didn't know the history of it, but from what I heard was that it started all the way up in Williamstown and it has slowly moved down. You mm-hmm. know, it was it used to be in Leap, but recently it's been in Great Barrington. That's right. So again, there's got to be a reason for that. Now, are you? Is there? And <clears throat> we'll get back into mm-hmm. the like just that journey. But mm-hmm. is there an Ecuadorian community that you are a part of now that you found um, during that time in Great Barrington that has expanded? No, I, I can't. I can't say I'm, I'm part of a community. You know, I am aware of some mm-hmm. community members that are from Ecuador, yeah. and you know, I, I'll say hi to them, but not as far as an, a okay. community base. Yeah. All right. So. At some point, there's some more family transitions going on, Mm -hmm. and you make your way to Pittsfield. Right. So my parents, they separated. They realized that, you know, it's better if we just live separately. Okay. uh, And and they can get along better. And so my mom moved out to Pittsfield, and I went with her. And, um, you know, I kind of just took over being the man of the house. How old were you when you— 18. 18. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? You know, we can do this together, Mom and my sister, too. Okay. Um, And so we we went ahead to Pittsfield, and uh, since I've been here since then. So So from switching from Great Barrington Mm -hmm. to Pittsfield, what were were your thoughts about Pittsfield? 
that things are open a little later. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot more food options and okay. things are open a little later. Right. And, you know, there, back then the Berkshire Mall was going around mm. and up and running. So definitely an opportunity to kind of just be able to just stay up later and have mm-hmm. more variety as far and seeing different people too right because you know exactly we're the capital seat of berkshire county yeah so so it was good to experience that nice mm-hmm. um at some point you all right so you're 18 mm-hmm. and you at the, you, you had graduated high school right mm-hmm. yep. so then you were like all right i need to take that next step what was that next step so for you? I, I went to bcc okay. and then i had started in criminal justice mm-hmm. then i did business administration Mm-hmm. And then I realized that I don't really know what I'm going to do. So I was like, let me just well, get into, take a, all these classes so I can do liberal arts. Mm-hmm. So once I did that, you know, I was working full time. And thinking back, like, as far as us developing, it, it was, you know, I was the first generation to go to uh, college. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't really have much of a influence as far as what what steps to take. So right. I had the support, but not much of a influence. Right. But so I had the influence of work, you know, work nine to five. Right. Know, work and, and be able. So I was happy with that. So I, at the same time I was doing BC, I was working full time. So right. I was content in what I was doing at that time. What made you know, being that you, you know, you mentioned that you had the model of the, sort of the strong work ethic mm-hmm. um, and college uh, obviously is another option. What made you to do what made you decide to do both? Because you could have opted to go the professional route mm-hmm. and say, I'm just going to, you know, follow in the path, you know, of my hard work and parents. But what made you want to at least try college? I, at that point, you know, I was valuing education yeah. a lot. I, I didn't really know where it was going to take me, mm-hmm. but attending the classes was good because it, it gives you that education that you can't get anywhere else at work. You know, it gives you those tools to be able to do that. And, you know, later on, I, I continue that education, mm-hmm. but I always had a value for it. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Excellent. All right. So in the company that you worked for, um, what was the name of that? It linked to life. Okay. So right. it's that button. That, like a medical alert. Yeah, medical like... alert button. <laughs> okay. That, you know, we, I remember the commercial where people would fall down and say, help, I can't get up. So I was, was the care- It was that? No, that was life alert. Oh, but it life. was very, sim- very similar. And so I was on the call center and answering those calls. Mm-hmm. Yep, I remember those commercials. <laughs> um, yep. Yeah, well, I think, you know, thinking about that strong work ethic, um, and especially, you know, again, you know, my point of reference to is that immigrant experience, um, because that's what I saw um, growing up. Um, and I saw um, my family work extremely hard Mm -hmm. and i think you know that desire for um you know for family members is that the next generation be better do better and carry it on for the next folks you know who come after so i think that you know in some way even though your parents did not have that that version Mm -hmm. to show you they knew that they wanted you to pursue whatever you wanted to right. be able to um, to to make it all worth it, and and so you did, right? right? So you you know you did BCC, you 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 were working at this great company, um, but at some point, I think you made some more changes. Yeah, so I was there uh, from like nineteen to twenty four, mm-hmm. so I was there for a while, mm. and 
there was really no advancement in that time. Mm-hmm. There wasn't that many opportunities. And then the job went remote. Uh, we They got bought out by a different company. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was working from home. And so I did it for mm-hmm. a year, and I was like, this is not, I don't like this at all. Yeah. I, and, and, and then again, just the fact that, okay, now I'm 24, I... I want more. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it was good, but you know, mm-hmm. I want to continue more. So mm-hmm. I applied for a position in the city. Right. Mm-hmm. I got to tell you, when you just mentioned that age, it reminded me of I'm like, like double that age now almost. But I remember <laughs> when I was that age and there was a book out called The Quarter Life Crisis. And I remember I got this. I was like 24, 25 thinking, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do with my life? And I'm thinking to myself, now I look back at my 24, 25-year-old self and say, relax, knock it off, stop. Mm -hmm. It'll all work out. But when you're that age, you you think you should have it all mapped out. And if you don't, somehow you think that you failed. Exactly. Right? And, yeah, and, and, and you don't see, okay, there'll be 30, right. and then there'll be 40, and then you'll still be going for it. Will it will come. Yep. You so, know. yeah, at that age, you don't see it. You're you're in that stage where, okay, I'm 24, what's next? And you think you'll mm-hmm. always be 24. <laughs> exactly. Um. So, all right, so you, you're at this point in your life, and you, you're like, all right, well, I need to make some changes because mm-hmm. I'm not happy. So what did you do? So I applied for the city uh, for the health department. It was mm-hmm. the nuisance control officer job, which mm-hmm. is the entry position there for an inspector uh, to do exterior property maintenance inspections. So going around, siding tall grass, yeah. mattresses, uh, any blight. Um, again, I didn't really know what I was getting into, but in my interview, I remember clearly saying, I want to grow. I want an opportunity to grow and uh-huh. uh the previous director gina you know she was very she was great during the interview and said yeah there'll be opportunities here you know yeah. you guys just go for it and she was a big reason why she I, you know i am where i am now because she always believed in it and she gave me those opportunities so wow listen for those who are just uh for those listeners who are just tuning in uh, my guest today is andy canby and he is the city of Pittsville's public health director. And he just shared part of his journey of when he actually just started with the city. And he started in the role of nuisance control officer. And obviously, uh, the growth has been exponential. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you continue to grow during yeah. your time with the city. I mean, you started as a nuisance control officer. And there's something about that inter- that, that interview that you had with Gina, mm-hmm. right? The fact that you said, I want to grow. Mm-hmm. Look at you today, Andy. Yeah. I know. I put <laughs> oh it out God. there. Yeah, I put it out there. You put it out there. Yeah. And it's interesting because I now that I've done some interviews, I don't really hear that as much what mm-hmm. people are saying, you know, what it is. But for me, like I guess I was very specific. I'm like, yeah. I, want, I want growth. And I think it might have been just because I had just left my other job with that frustration. Right. So I was like, you know, Putting it out there. You put it out there. And and I mean, who would have thought that? First of all, Mm -hmm. I mean, you grew in such a way that, I mean, literally, you're looking at someone who you were your your former boss Mm -hmm. that you would occupy her position. Yeah. No, it was crazy. That is crazy. So one, your family must have been so proud of you. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that reaction when you came home, first of all. I mean, because I want to talk about the role that you're in now, Mm -hmm. because you have grown through those past roles and you've done your work. Mm -hmm. But when you went from interim Mm -hmm. public health director to actually get in the job 
What was that like for your family? Ecstatic. You know, very proud of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom just, you know, very just happy, mm-hmm. just really happy. And, and, and that made me very happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and even my dad, you know, him and I, you know, we got to connect at, later on in life. And, and even him, you know, he saved the newspaper clipping. <laughs> and, and so, like, all right, you know, he doesn't talk much either. He doesn't show yep, his feelings. Yep, yep. But those moments, you know, he was very proud, very happy. Right. Uh, and same with family and friends. You know, they were, they were just, they were very happy for me. So, right. you know, when I reached that point, I was like, wow, like, this yeah. is great. Like, this feels good. This mm-hmm. feels right. Mm. And I'm ready. It's the embodiment in, in so many ways of, of their journey, right? You know, you think back to your parents and all their hard work and everything that they invested in you and all the changes and all the transitions that you went through. Look at you today. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I can I can only imagine with such pride what your mom might say. Yeah. She says, oh, this is my son. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's the city's public health director. Right. <laughs> yeah, and then just being in the media all uh-huh. the time and her friends saying, oh, I heard your son's name. And, oh, uh, the so pride. She loves it. She loves mm. it. So yes. it's great. Yes. All right. So tell me a little bit about what you love most about your job. So the fact that with public service in, in the health department, mm-hmm. I have the opportunity to work with our residents uh, who want to, for instance, say they want to open up a restaurant Mm -hmm. and they come to me and they said, you know, here's my life savings. Mm -hmm. How can I make this a reality? Right. So working with them and and bringing that to life and and signing off on them opening up a restaurant, Mm -hmm. those kind of public service actions is what gives me that excitement and that happiness and then also helping out uh, people that are having issues right. with public health. Well, let's talk about yeah. that because you see a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so some of those challenges, I mean, how do you navigate those things? I mean, because some of them can be complex. Mm-hmm. So what's your, um, do you have a specific sort of, you know, um, um, in thinking about resolving certain things, what's important for you to do in terms of getting to resolutions? It's important to put myself in their positions, mm. uh, it, whether it's a tenant or anybody that's experiencing something. I try to put myself in their shoes and say, you know, how can I talk to this person in a way that, you know, would make sense and, and explain to them whether it's the process that I need to explain to them or the end goal of what we need to do is just kind of putting themselves and having that compassion to say, I understand. Right. And, and, and uh, though I can't fix it overnight, I'm going to do my best to, to fix this problem as soon right. as I can. Right. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that position, um, because it definitely um, disarms folks, I think mm-hmm. sometimes people, I know from even like the mayor's office, people will call and if they're at 10, you know, the my 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 sole purpose is to help them, you know, one, understand I'm here to help. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes when you don't respond in that way, people, they realize, all right, this person wants to help me. And then they're like, okay, then they start to listen. Um, and that compassionate perspective, I think is so important because sometimes people don't think that people understand. Mm-hmm. And they think that, what would you know? Like, what would you know about my cir- circumstance or situation, right? right? And so they come to it with that um, with that thought process. And so having someone say, listen, I get it. You know, I'm going to do everything that I can to help. Mm-hmm. That must, it might not fix the situation, but it creates, it makes them feel heard exactly. in some way. So. 
Um, what are some things that you, well, you know what, before I get into that, I'd like to know about your, your work during the pandemic and even coming out of it, because I feel like you were in, you were able to be a part of that process for you. And that was a huge thing for our city. It was huge. It was globally, it was huge. And I was part of the enforcement part, Mm -hmm. um, which was challenging, uh, navigating through those constant changes Mm and the rules and regulations of what can and not be, what can be done and what can't be done and understanding them. So that was my role throughout the pandemic. Um, and at that time, Gina, the director, she was more mm-hmm. of the public health side right. and, and attending all those emergency meetings. So mm-hmm. that was my role. Did you have any takeaways or lessons from that time that have stayed with you? Collaboration. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it helped a lot with our city. Uh, a lot of people stepped up and they did it out of their willingness of their heart. Right. You know, They didn't do it for a paycheck. They were literally there volunteering. Right. Uh, assisting with the vaccine clinics, this thing, you know, Gina worked endless hours again yeah, she did. for her. She had a role and she had a responsibility yeah. and she took on that I think responsibility. You, you touched on an mm-hmm. important point about collaboration and you coming from New York City as well um, and having that. I know it's it's been a while, but I will tell you that that level of just people working together the bigger the city, it's harder mm-hmm. because people don't always know their neighbors. They don't know neighboring organizations in the way that we know them here. Right. And I think, you know, we sometimes take it for granted the level and depth of collaboration we have here, not only in the city of Pittsburgh, Pittsville, but also through Berkshire County. Mm-hmm. It's it's not. This is not. People don't do it like this everywhere. No, I mean, and you can see those yeah. those those issues during the pandemic where people were not working together. They were not, and, and the numbers were crazy, and and the deaths were crazy. It's because mm-hmm. again, the community wasn't working together. But you know, for the city and the county, we right. did pretty well. We we came together mm-hmm. and we worked through it. So tell me, what are some of your um, some of the things that you'd like to do um, as part of your role um, in terms of just strengthening community relationships or maybe some new initiatives? Right now, it's been growing the team. I've been able to hire some new people, Mm -hmm. and that's been great because they come with a lot of experience. um, And so being able to expand those services, public health services, pretty much okay. doing a community outreach, okay. uh, that's going to be a big thing for 2023. Mm-hmm. It was originally a big going to be a big thing for 2022, but I realized that the team needs to catch up first, mm-hmm. and then now they're ready, and okay. now they're like, okay, like let's get going. I'm like, okay, well, we have to wait okay. for budget season, and then we have to work from there, but... We have big plans for community outreach. You know, we want to be a health department that is everywhere and anywhere, you know, at the point where we're providing you that public health knowledge to better yourself and to be living healthy. And so that that's the main goal. Um, How would you describe your leadership style? I would say that my leadership style would be that I am very involved in hearing people's ideas you know i i listen to what they have because people have a lot of knowledge you know especially mm-hmm. me being younger mm-hmm. so and, and most of my co-workers are a little more experienced and have a lot more mm-hmm. and, uh just knowledge so I, you know i listen to them and they're you know for instance our right. public health nurse she has a lot of knowledge and and so my leadership style is not saying hey i'm your boss or not it's more like 
how what goal can we achieve together and and, and collaborating with her to do that so that that would say my leadership is just kind of being able to have that grasp of of a team Mm -hmm. team i'm gonna do a tie-in now back Mm -hmm. to little andy yeah and the fact that you were able to weather so much change and you took it all in, do you think that that ability to adapt and also listen, I mean, you had to observe a lot, and I don't know if you spoke a lot during that time <laughs> when you're observing, but you you kind of knew that you had to go with the flow. Mm-hmm. Taking the the disposition of little Andy and then thinking about who you are today, have you brought him along with you? Of course. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, definitely all the observation. Mm-hmm. Because when it comes time to take care of what I need to do, mm-hmm. I just go with it. Mm-hmm. I know what I've already observed what, what needs to happen. Mm-hmm. So that will just come out naturally. Okay. So, it, yeah, definitely has helped. And, uh, you know, I remember attending my first city council meeting. What did I do? I, I I would be watching the city council meetings beforehand when Gina would attend mm-hmm. and just preparing myself. And so when it was time, I can comfortably go to a nice. city council meeting and, and be able to just be there. And, right. And so. Okay. Um, and in terms of strengthening or fostering deeper outreach with um, members of our Latino community mm-hmm. um, in Pittsville, do you have any ideas for that? Yeah, so I want to, uh, something that I want to work on myself is to become more in touch with the Latino community. Okay. So I, I need to start collaborating and start reaching out to these uh, big organizations and maybe volunteer sometime okay. and, and get that get that relationship going. So mm-hmm. that that's an initiative, not just professionally, but personally. Okay. Um, and, and from there, seeing, you know, how can we help out? Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, perfect. So, I mean, obviously, it seems like work is 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 going great for you. Mm-hmm. Um, professional development wise, what are how are some uh, what are some ways that you sort of stay um, on top of the trends in terms of public health or just in your field? So, I had the opportunity to do MCLA mm-hmm. as I was going through the the steps of. Um, getting my uh, new uh, positions. Yep. And so I did the leadership in business, um, the cohort that was in the Pittsfield office, nice. which was great because it Excellent. was accessible. Okay. It was manageable with my work schedule. Uh, the faculty was great. So I did that. It took like two and a half years. Um, but that was a, a, a big opportunity where I had to uh, the knowledge of growing as far as leadership and Excellent. business. Um, for public health, we attend you know seminars all the time. You know, mm-hmm. We have our, our yearly seminar that we have. It's three days long and just up to date with all the board of health throughout the state. Yeah. Um, and now we actually have um, phone in calls that started during the pandemic mm-hmm. and they continue. So in, in those opportunities where all the boards of health just call into a call. Oh. We get to discuss okay. things that are trending, and and so and that was something that they hadn't they ha- hadn't done that before, hmm. and and the, they see the value of it yeah. even after you know it was big during the pandemic, but now continuing because whatever every season is different. So that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, are there some things that we should be on the lookout for? I'm just putting on my resident, you know, 
you know, constituent hat right now. <laughs> I mean, just uh, as we're getting into flu season, mm-hmm. you know, that's one of the okay. things as far as the next pandemic. I don't know. But, okay. I'm, you know, we will be prepared for it and right. we'll get through it. Okay, thank you. Um, to my listeners who are just tuning in, my guest today is Andy Camby, the City of Pittsfield's Public Health Director. Um, so, Andy, obviously work is going fantastic for you. Um, your professional journey is just, it's amazing. You've done so many great things. But we cannot just work. We must mm-hmm. have an outlet. So, what do you like to do in your spare time? So what I when I was 24, I bought my first house, which was great. Wow. And it was a fixer-upper. Mm-hmm. So I had to learn how to fix things. You did it yourself? Yep. I just, YouTube is, is my friend. And just observing again and then just being able to do repairs. So I remodeled the whole kitchen, bathrooms, By floors. yourself? Yeah. I mean, I would hire some friends to help me with the heavy lifting and stuff like that. But for the most part, it would be just me taking care of this. Really? Area. So, and, and I found like a, a passion for it. I found a passion for uh, as years change, you know, yeah. now I want this, you know, now I want these color planks on the wall uh-huh. now, or I want this different color floor now and, and tile. And so, it, yeah, I guess that would be my outlet and my what I do in my spare time. So do you mm-hmm. help other people with yeah. their home? Exactly. Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And yeah. So, you know, my friend will have just bought a new house and then I'll be like, oh, like, I can help you. You know, this is what you should do. This is what, you again, just you know, yeah. giving them that insight for yeah. why that I, I like to do because... You know, I can spend hours just watching these videos on how to do things. That's amazing. Yeah. See, I can watch the videos as well. But see, there's a disconnect between watching the videos uh-huh. and actually doing it. Right. Um, but, I, yeah, I don't know if I trust myself enough to do a full remodel. Right. You know. Yeah. You know, there's some things I leave to the professionals. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, hmm. you know, it, it's great to just be able to, like, change a whole floor out and and you know take out the old carpet it's a lot of and then do like a vinyl planking on it so huh. yeah it's, it's yeah good. yeah i i will live vicariously through your <laughs> experience andy um but that's impressive 24 mm-hmm. bought a fixer upper mm-hmm. um your the house is to your liking now yeah it's great and, and then i'll update it every once in a while in a couple of years i'll do nice. some updates to it um, have you ever thought about getting into like real estate and, and buying homes and doing that? And I have thought about it yeah. and, but, mm, I mean, I, you I, keep your costs down because yeah. you do everything yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think for that, I would need more of a team. Yeah. Uh, so I, maybe in the future. Okay. But, yeah. Okay. Um, and what else do you like to do? Travel. Travel's been big okay. since, uh, I think past, since I turned 30, I got, a. My mom and sister gave me a trip to Greece. Oh, really? Yep. And so... Where in Greece? So I did Athens and Santorini. Okay. So it was it was amazing. Okay. It was, it was just, I you know, to this day, I still can think about the food that I had mm-hmm. there, the calamari. I, I always talk back and yeah. talk to people about. So I got an opportunity to go there with a couple of friends. And then uh, through knowing some friends, you know, they would be like, oh, I'm going to Iceland. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I'll come along with you. Right. Or uh, I'm going to Guatemala. I'll come with you. Right. Or, and then obviously, you know, also like Cancun and stuff like that. Yeah. But those are more like resort. But, right. you know, for instance, like Iceland was really great because... 
I went, I, I took it, you know, I went ahead a day earlier. Yeah. And you just are, you're arriving there at five in the morning. You The signs are all in this different language. Yeah. Um, renting a car and then just looking for the waterfalls and it, 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 that the fact of traveling really I like it. Now I I've, I've known a couple of folks who have mm-hmm. gone to Iceland mm-hmm. and um and it's, it's it's intriguing to me and actually it's it's on my list of places to go. But to prepare for Iceland, did you have to buy a, a, a really warm parka and like pack really warm clothes? And what was your itinerary like? I mean, I, I should have par- packed a lot of more warmer clothes, yeah. but I didn't. But I just rolled with it. So yeah, I had like a jacket and like a sweater under. But it's in that, Iceland. In Iceland, yeah. Well, I was packing late. And so, um, but huh. the first day um, I went to see, there's this um, plane that's like in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, so that was my day. But it was like a two hour hike yeah. through like just sandy, like black sand. Really? Territory. I mean, you got a, a bunch of people all going to the same des- destination, but I just remember coming back and I was soaked. It, so I was not fully prepared. So definitely. So what was the temps like? I mean,. Uh, I did it in November, so they were probably around twenty thirty. Yeah, huh. so it was cold. Did yeah. you go to? I've also seen people like they go to like a hot spring. Yep, the Blue Lagoon. Uh-huh. I did that. Yeah, that was a great experience. Okay. Yeah, it's it's just the color. You know, you can't describe it. Wow. Yeah. Huh. So. Hmm. Okay. Definitely recommend going there. It, it's it's a pretty short trip too. Yeah. Out of Boston, it was it was a quick trip. Really? How many mm-hmm. hours? I don't remember off, but yeah. it was like probably less than four. Oh, that's and not yeah, bad. Not too bad, yeah. Yeah, we just went to Ghana this summer, and mm-hmm. that was like 10 hours. Yeah, that's going to be. Yeah, um, but the flight wasn't that bad. <laughs> but I think that there's, you know, traveling, um, it's, it's pretty awesome mm-hmm. because you're able to leave your surroundings, and it does offer another perspective, you know, and for those who can, definitely traveling, um is an eye-opener and it shows you just different cultures and it really is amazing and there's something about getting your passport stamped <laughs> right yeah i love it I, think it, I, I didn't like when i had to renew it because uh-huh. i was like can i take these pages with me but i did it yeah so I yeah saved it. yeah nice mm-hmm. all right um all right perfect andy so we are you know we're getting we're getting close to the end but we still have a few questions and i think you know with the journey that you've had you have had so many people in your life who have imparted so many different things to you so i don't know if there's going to be a singular person for this question but um feel free to elaborate who or what inspires you my mom is definitely 100 mm-hmm. percent on the top of the list mm-hmm. and then second i would be my dad mm-hmm. you know as i mentioned i got an opportunity to get closer to him mm-hmm. Um, as I grew older, I began to understand him more. Mm-hmm. And so now he continues, you know, he inspires me now, you know, mm-hmm. to continue knowing that he's proud and then continue to do that. So right. those are the two main people that inspire me and motivate me to keep going the path that I am and making sure that I continue to make them proud. Where do you see yourself in five to 10 years? Here still. Okay. Yeah, I, I thought about good answer. 
I, I thought about leaving. I, you know, I, I thought about it, but honestly, like, yeah. we we're here and we can take a train. We yeah. can take the car. Two hours, yeah. we're in Boston. Yeah. Two and a half hours, we're in New York City. So it's like we get the best of it, and. Right. and, and right now now I don't really adapt in the city anymore yeah. like I, I want to come home listen let's just talk about that for a yeah. quick second um, there I mean I remember when I was in the city and like I would you know there was always something to do that energy that pulse um, was just so hypnotic and then over time, you get to relish peace mm-hmm. and you relish quiet and the things that you gravitated to. You're like, I can't even like because I still have, you know, I still have some friends who live in the city. And, um, you know, so I, I go down, um, you know, every so often and I find that I'm like, all right, I'm good. I'm ready to come back. Um, and it's, and it's, I guess it's just life, right? Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah, just well, life. we've got to adjust to, but yeah, and that, that's my plan is to just to stay here, continue, mm-hmm. you know, I, as far as me uh, professionally, I do want to make an impact. Mm-hmm. I don't know what exactly that would be yet. Mm-hmm. I know it's going to take time, mm-hmm. but I do want to make an impact. Uh, with all the, you know, because I'm mm-hmm. still young and I still have a lot of time to do that. So right. that's my goal. Well, if I could say something about that, I mean, the fact that you um, are in this role, mm-hmm. you are making an impact. Um, there are probably people um, who are watching you that you don't even know, right? There are people who see you and are inspired by you. And um, and are proud of you that you don't even know. Mm-hmm. So when I think about impact, there is that the impact that you know that you have made, and then that the impact that you'll never know. Right. Right. Exactly. So um, you know, I think that 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 speaks to your story. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that that's a great goal. And I go back to that conversation that you had with Gina. Mm-hmm. Where you said, um, I want to grow. Mm-hmm. So I guess the conversation, <laughs> the conversation that you're having with me saying, I want to make an impact. It'll be interesting to see years down the road um, what that looks like, yeah. especially in the city of Pittsfield. I'm very excited for it. And if you had to choose um, one word to describe yourself, what would it be? And you can elaborate. You can because we have a little bit of time. I would say calm and easygoing. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I remain calm in the stressful situations mm-hmm. and easygoing as far as letting those bad days kind of just be like, okay, so tomorrow's another day. Mm-hmm. So, th- you know, those are the words that I would say would describe me and has helped me mm-hmm. to get where I am now. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And on those bad days when you do have them... How do you process them? Knowing that there's things that we can't change. Mm-hmm. Um, all we can do is accept them mm-hmm. and process it, you know, whether it's something that would hurt us or anything like that, but just accepting those feelings and then picking yourself up the next day and just being able to say, okay, you know, I can't control certain things, okay. but I can make the best of my myself. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well... 
You heard it here first. Um, Andy, it's been a pleasure. I so relished having the opportunity to um, to speak with you and to learn more about your story. Um, and you have such a wonderful story. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Such a wonderful story. But just learning about, um, I guess, your journey from that little child to who you are today. Um, I look forward to seeing your continued work and I look forward to seeing the impact that you will make within the city of Pittsville and throughout Berkshire County. All right, folks, you've been listening to Backstory. Let's hear it on WTBRFM Pittsville with Roberta McCulloch-Dews of the Mayor's Office in the city of Pittsville. Thanks everyone for listening and have a great day.